Barry Lewis's Stonkid Foodcast. Oh, proper lush it is, man. Happy New Year, everybody, or is that Happy New Decade? Uh, welcome to 2020 and the first stonking foodcast of the decade and year. Hello, Alec. All right. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Happy New Resolutions and all that stuff. Yes, happy, happy everyone. Merry, merry 2020. It feels like, I don't know, such a build up to 2020, doesn't it? And it's just like the whole, like, it was supposed to be flying cars and, I don't know, hoverboards and stuff. Maybe I've been watching too much Back to the Future, but... Yeah, I'm still, I'm still waiting for my self-lacing Nikes or whatever it was, but there we go. Yeah. Well, did you have, did you have a good uh, Christmas and New Year? Yeah, I did. It was a very restful Christmas, which was nice. Um, nice and nice and chilled. We we stayed at home for Christmas. We ate a lot of food, as is typical. But uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. And how about you guys? Yeah, pretty much the same. We didn't really sort of travel anywhere. Like we, a lot of our family are all in the same sort of village, and uh, it was the commute was walkable, which meant we could eat a lot and have a few drinks as well. And also from a, a content making side of things, I didn't actually film from actually the week before Christmas. I was going to do a couple more videos, but my daughter Phoebe had tonsillitis, and then I went down oh, with crikey. some. Yeah, at the same time, I went down with some crazy old bug thing in fact we messaged each other a bit actually i think over uh christmas or i was sort of telling you i was feeling a bit lurgy-ish and uh yes yeah it was weird i felt like i don't know like a mixture of golem and i don't know just like a blanket i just felt so like lethargic i'm just gonna like a mixture of golem and a blanket yeah is the description you have gone <laughs> with for this particular illness so just um List, listeners, just try and just try and get a mental image of a cross between Gollum and a blanket, and yeah. then you've got about where Barry was at. Yeah, I felt like I had the effort of a blanket. I just wanted to keep lying down on the sofa and be like, Ugh. but then every now and then I was like, my precious, get me my water and my paracetamol. It's, you know, I can't do the impression very well, but you know, lovely. Very yeah, nice. it's health. You know, that's that's the thing. Um, it's not fun, especially at this time of year. I know um, I had the full-on flu just before Christmas because the kids got it at school so yeah that was that was loads of fun but so i'm glad i'm glad that we're over that and that they've now finally been immunized against that which hopefully means we're not going to have a repeat because that was about as much fun as getting slapped in the face with a wet fish to be honest oh nice i to be fair i've not never had that happen yet but um it is on my top 10 things of things not to happen to me but i don't know what would be at number one actually there's still time, Barry. There's still yeah, time. Yeah, it definitely. Doesn't, it doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't really translate particularly well to a podcast. But that doesn't mean we won't do it. Yeah, just like a slow motion sound effect to be like rippling. You know, but I could always do a video of it somehow. Maybe for Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> just give me enough money, and you could slap me with a wet fish. Oh gosh. So over the Christmas period, what did? you eat give us a rundown of the lewis family festive meal tell us what you had what your best bits were um if you tried anything different this year you know what, what was your christmas menu like we kind of had all the classic with all the trimmings really like we, we didn't really sort of go for a starter or anything because we tend to just sort of go all out on the turkey and the starters and, um, sorry on the sides and things like that so um i actually went around my mum's house this year and she doesn't tend to cook as much and i sort of turned up there and ended up sort of being chucked into it so uh, i ended up like chucking together a load of honey roast uh, carrots and parsnips and i nice. uh, did a homemade stuffing and uh, the turkey just seemed to last for 
forever and uh, pigs and blankets we did some homemade ones of those which is pretty cool we had a, a sausage making kit that i did um well it's probably a video about a year ago now where my mum helped and that was innuendo filled i can but imagine she did some like homemade sausages and yeah wrapped them in bacon and just uh, bombarded it you know for dessert we just had the christmas pudding where we got that all lit too much whiskey on there sort of thing but no it was just really nice really and all the family together sitting on chairs that you know you got like six normal chairs and then someone sat on a stool someone's like literally levitating and <laughs> you just like run out of it's just you know same with the cutlery as well someone's drinking that always that. happens whenever whenever old uncle dalsim comes over for christmas he's always going to do a bit of a levitate though isn't he oh yeah That's the street fight of christmas yeah yeah that very amazing. street fight of christmas yeah. yeah how do ken as he enters <laughs> he does look a bit like santa claus actually in his what, Dalsim? Oh, no, um, Ken. Uh, Ken. Ken, right, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Dalsim does not look like Santa. <laughs> no, Santa's like, yeah, he's a bit thinned out. But no, it was it was cool. And, you know, even having a gravy boat at one point, I couldn't find a glass anywhere. So I was going to actually put my uh, my Lambrini. We went all out, had Lambrini. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mum went went for it. But um, And I nearly put it in a gravy boat at one point just for a joke to drink out of it. But I did find something that... It's almost like Indiana Jones and, um, and the Last Crusade. You know when he's got to pick the cups yeah. at the end. I literally found this thing that looked like the wooden cup from uh, from that you scene. Chose wisely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it was it, it was some sort of vessel that held fluid. So you well, know, good it a vessel that held fluid. That's, yeah, uh, beautiful description there. Yeah, well, I had a salted caramel uh, chocolate log, which was amazing. Mm. Um, I, I, okay. ma- I made that myself actually um, that was I did a bit of cooking uh, I tried to switch off from it as much as possible both on camera and off camera uh, over the Christmas period it's something I've done mm. in the last two or three years just to try and really like fully shut down and actually come off social media for about 10 to 12 days I did and it was, it was really nice and I find it really refreshing mm. every year and it just means that when I'm doing things like Christmas and uh, just hanging out with the family I just can give them all my time and my focus and uh, you know, just recharge the batteries in every way. But I, I did do like a chocolate log where kind of like a Swiss roll recipe, but inside it, I lined it with a salted caramel sort of frosting and a ganache. So and then nice. I rolled it all up and then coated it in another caramel sauce that actually set on it and then ganached it again. And um, yeah, it was it was quite, I think I put, a t- I got a bit too excited with my salt. I did, uh, I got this sort of uh, okay. sea salt flakes and I put, you know, it was almost like eating the sea the first slice I took. But so I think I put a bit Lovely. too much salt down one end. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it was a, it was really good. I want to do a video on it soon, actually. But um, everyone seems to be asking for the healthy recipes with the uh, the January uh, buzz. Yeah. So I will fill you in on the uh, Plowman family uh, Christmas meal situation. Yeah, because we did things. Um, so we did the traditional, the full Christmas dinner on Christmas Day, and this is the first time. Normally, we're at my parents' or we're in Portugal. Uh, to see the other half's parents for Christmas. Uh, this is the first year that we did Christmas, just the four of us at home. All right. Um, and it's interesting the way we do it because my partner is Portuguese. So Portuguese Christmas dinner happens on Christmas Eve and is salted cod, is the traditional Portuguese Christmas meal. All right. Uh, Not KFC. by not KFC, no. That's, that's <laughs> Japan, mate. Yeah, Normally yeah. followed by about 17 desserts. Wow. Um, so we didn't do 17 desserts, but we did do the full salted salted cod meal as is traditional, and we had a couple of desserts. So we had a feast meal on the 24th of December in the evening, and then we did a full Christmas lunch on the 25th. Wow. Um, and I did... So I did a small turkey, but I did a whole turkey rather than a crown. 
I did some excellent roast potatoes, which I was very happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did uh, Brussels sprouts with pancetta and chestnuts. And oh yeah, we did that. Well, without the nuts, some red cabbage. Yeah, yeah, that works so well together, doesn't it? That combination of Brussels sprouts and pancetta or bacon or anything, just to give a bit of saltiness to it and just to take out that. Mush. It's a great combination. I've been playing around with it since Christmas. I think I think it really uh, you can do fun things with other greens as well. Yeah, I've been playing around with doing that with kale, for example. I think works really nicely. Because with the sprouts, what I did, I parboiled mine and then roasted them just to get that little bit of color and crunch and extra flavor on it. Uh, it like in with the bacon, then that, that was really nice. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I I I parboiled mine and then just pan fried them to finish them off. With, oh, nice. Um, with with the fried them in with the with the bacon and the squeeze of lemon and the the chestnuts as well. Because my mum was a bit uncertain. She was like, "Oh, you know, uh, no one's gonna like sprouts like that." Because she seems she she's very traditional. My mum. I mean, she literally right. will just stick the sprouts in the pan and boil them. And I said, "Mum, just let me take some of these." And I ended up like bringing some more bacon as well for the pigs and blankets and just made that. And I, all the normal ones stayed. They, it's such a bland thing, isn't it? Well, I think yeah. So it's interesting because over Christmas I read um, Delia Smith's Christmas collection, which I think if you're doing Christmas dinner for the first time, then that book is your Bible. That book is an absolute go-to as far as timings and as far as the traditional recipes for everything. Yeah, I think that everybody, everybody who is doing Christmas dinner for the first time should have a copy of that book because it's absolutely foolproof. It's I do like brilliant. Delia's books. Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, obviously, it's, they're very different to how they are now in a way in terms yeah. of like glossy pictures and almost like that sort of food porn thing where you eat with your eyes and the picture almost sells the recipe. But hers, you know, it's the one that I've got is like a Delia Smith's A to Z of cooking or something like that. And it's just all text. But like you say, you can't go wrong with it. It's no nonsense. It's it's solid advice all around. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, Delia with the sprouts, Delia recommends just boiling the sprout. She does have a recipe in there for something more like what you and I were talking about just now. Really? But the reason that, yeah, she does a, she does a thing with bacon and she does it with... Well, I'm trying to remember. There's some kind of booze in it as well. Oh wow! Uh, it's like it's Riesling, so she's she's got that in there as well. So it's kind of a boozy. I think it's a German recipe for sprouts that she has. But for the actual Christmas dinner itself, she argues that boiling the sprouts is the way to go, simply because there are so many other flavors on the table. Yeah, that it gets a bit lost in the mix of everything else if you add too much to it. Yeah, I suppose it's something just to sort of neutralize it a little bit and like give you something just not bland but just more just plain and be like right this is my safety net (laughs) the thing the thing with delia's christmas dinner though is that it is massive and it is to feed like eight or ten people so there are so many sides and so many different dishes i think you know in our case we were only doing a christmas dinner for four and we only had i think you know five or six things on the table total so i felt like i felt like we could get away with pimping up our sprouts a bit because yeah. there were just fewer flavors it got to stand on its own so is salt cod like preserving the cod or yeah like... it's preserved cod that you then and it has a very distinctive flavor to it um because it, it's quite intense um it's not like so it's salt preserved and then you you boil it from from that preserved state to cook it um portuguese christmas dinner it's a very interesting one because it is a very um it's a very traditional sort of poor man's dinner so it is boiled potatoes boiled cabbage and boiled 
carrot and then the salted cod. And obviously the salted cod being a preserved cod was um, an affordable option back in the day. Yeah. But then where all of the kind of richness comes from is in the the desserts, of which there are many. The first time I did Christmas in Portugal, there were 17 desserts on the table. God, and that's insane. every every relative had made their own favorite dessert. Okay. And with it being my first time there, every relative wanted me to try every dessert. So I had to eat all 17 of them. Oh, wow. Which was, <laughs> it's like yeah, a little bake-off. Well, You're competing. Yeah, I, couldn't, I, <laughs> I couldn't move by the end of it. It was just... Um, um, were there like cakes so, and yeah. stuff or like... Cakes and puddings and Portugal's got um, a, tra- a tradition of baking from the nunneries. All right. There used to be a lot of baking done from there. Nuns would sell and they tend to be these very rich, um, very, you know, lots of eggs, lots of sugar. Yeah, because is it the pasta donata, like the custard tart, yeah. sort of flashy custard yeah. tart? Yeah, I, when I was over in Portugal, yeah, I really loved that. It was so nice. Nobody nobody gets them right over here. I've seen so many people do Peshednata in the UK and they just, there is the way that you have to um, kind of temper the sugar to get the caramel on it is a really involved process and right. everybody just cheats and kind of makes a glorified custard tart, which it isn't. But when you have the proper ones in Portugal, they are. Yeah, phenomenal. They're I just remember well done to themselves. them blowing my mind and then going into a local supermarket and seeing them going, why doesn't that just say custard tart? Because that surely is not an authentic one. And to be fair, I mean, it tasted good, but like it was nowhere near the freshness and the uniqueness and what what captured my imagination when I ate it. I just bought this thing, oh, what's that? They seem to be like pushing that quite hard and it turned to be one of the most popular dishes in Portugal. So yeah, really Oh, it's it. a, yeah, it's a national, it's one of the national dishes, Pestadinata. It's a complete, it's a staple. Um, yeah, but yeah, so... Yeah, so our Christmas was very indulgent because we had a lot of lot of food, and then we did the full on Boxing Day lunch. So I roasted a ham as well. Oh. So we had yeah. Well, any sort of glaze on it or anything like that? Yeah, I did. I did a traditional glaze. I kept everything very traditional this year. So I did a demerara sugar and mustard glaze. Ah. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think seeing as this was the first Christmas, other than the sprouts, which we pimped up a bit, you know, we did traditional sage and onion stuffing um, and we just kept everything as as standard as possible. We made giblet stock gravy rather than doing Jamie's get ahead gravy. Um, and yeah, and yeah, it was just a really good traditional Christmas Christmas dinner. It was really nice. And how, how long did your leftovers last for? Did you sort of find yourself the stereotypical sort of like turkey and ham sandwiches for the next two years well or? we made we um made an amazing turkey soup with the um with the leftover bits from that and like just an amazing christmas dinner soup that did it for a couple of days oh wow, that's quite interesting because you hear about people making like chilies and stuff leftover or curries just by bunging the cooked turkey in but a soup's a bit different a bit lighter perhaps well this this was pretty full-on it was oh, was it <laughs> because it had everything in it um, right and then we took the turkey carcass and we made that into turkey stock we had some leftover lamb bones and things as well. So we just threw it all together and made a really intense meaty stock. Oh, nice. Um, which has been great in gravies and sauces and things since then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we we did okay for leftovers. I think by the 28th or the 29th, we were pretty much done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that. The caveat is that I bought far too much... Uh, far too many chipolatas and far too much reserve stuffing in case our stuffing didn't work out. Okay. So we ate sausages and stuffing for about a week afterwards oh. because I had loads of those in the freezer. But to uh, be honest, that's no bad thing. Yeah, I, I think stuffing and pigs and blankets out of the whole 
sort of like spread of Christmas dinner, I think I could definitely have to pick anything. Those would be my top two, definitely. I mean, just pigs and blankets are just amazing. I, know, I don't understand why they're just for Christmas. They should be, yeah. you know, <laughs> an all year round I'm, thing. I'm planning to integrate them into regular roasts from now on because yeah. I think that they are... If you've got people over, if you've got company and you're doing a bit of a fancier roast, then just put some pigs and blankets in it. Nobody, yeah. you know, nobody's going to complain if you're if you're chucking a few pigs and blankets in. Just chuck them in with the potatoes. Yeah. That's what I do because oh. then all of the oil's coming out of those and it's just flavouring the spuds. It's, oh, nice. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just love sort of like the saltiness that it brings in that, that sort of texture for sure. Yeah, one of my favourite things. But it's kind of like that overindulgement season, isn't it, where just like... There doesn't seem to be any rules, and I think I think this year I did eat I eat, I ate well. Like it sounds like you did too. Like, well, I I started most mornings with an Irish coffee as well, oh. so I really <laughs> I really went um a bit bit overboard. I'm sort of I I came out of Christmas and it's like I've eaten really well, and then I tried to put on my Levi's, and it's like oh yeah, and there are consequences to that. Yeah. Um, yeah it just seems <laughs> so, like yeah there's no holds barred and like they, people turn up with tins of chocolates and stuff and you're like well it's christmas i've got to eat them got to get them gone and it's kind of that mentality where it's like well just go for it and yeah it's weird isn't it like because it becomes a bit of an addiction like for me like like I'm, i've we had i got four chocolate oranges this year terry's chocolate oranges. wow and like I, I think i had two and a half i had two and a half from christmas day up to new year's day within that sort of week uh, of Christmas to New Year's, I I ate two over two of them, like two and a half, and I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, that's a lot, and I still have one and a half, and they've gone now. But it's just trying to that thing of like having like no holds barred on the food. Like I was probably eating, I don't know, maybe two three hundred grams of chocolate uh, equivalent mm. every day, and like I even think- now I'm finding like I want to eat chocolate now, like just to try and wean myself back to a level that <laughs> I don't know is normal. I think for me, my so this situation was made a bit easier for me because I'm intolerant to gluten and dairy. And the intolerant to dairy thing means that I'm limited on the chocolates and sweet things that I can have because they usually have milk in them. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, we have a very good cafe here in Norwich called Cupcake & Co. And they are very good at providing the gluten-free, dairy-free alternatives. And they, this year, did some amazing uh, gluten-free, dairy-free mince pies. Oh, wow. And the mince meat in them was something else. I think it was a homemade mince meat. And it was just, you know, huge chunks of fruits in there, big bits of cherry and apricot and stuff. And it was, like, really one of the best mince meats I've ever had. So I ended up completely pigging out on those, which somewhat negated the um, the not eating too much sugar thing. But, yeah, I definitely felt it in the um in the new new year so i'm now on a i'm now on a no sugar no uh no sugar no um gluten substitute bread run for the next couple of months because it it got a bit much do you find yourself getting an addiction to anything other than chocolate obviously because you you can't have that dairy sort of thing well i can have dark chocolate and i can certainly get addicted to dark dark chocolate really like sugar sugar big time um yeah sugary things and you know there was a bit of a come down after christmas i was a grumpy sod for a couple of days when i wasn't eating sugar because yeah. it is an addi- it's an addictive thing and i think you know we as a society eat far too much sugar anyway that's a big problem that 
you know, we have in general. Um, and we are sold a lot of sugary things. And it's the sugar that sneaks into stuff where you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the gluten-free substitutes for me, the substitute breads and the substitute pastas and stuff, I ended up eating a lot of those over Christmas. And they're really dangerous because to get the flavor into them that you lose when you lose the wheat flour, yep. they end up pumping them full of sugar. So they, they have like a... But you don't really taste it. It doesn't taste sweet, but it is in there, and they have a, a really high sugar content that you don't even realize. Wow. Yeah, that, I think that's that thing, that sort of those those hidden sugars. And, and you're right, it is an addiction, absolutely. It's, it's trying to wean yourself off. And I, I know that we did ask a few people on Twitter about their, and Facebook about their New Year's resolutions, and a lot of people seem to be sort of saying this whole thing. It's, it's very cliche, isn't it, about January, the new year, new me, and all that sort of stuff. But it's kind of like, I don't know, you've you got to sort of just, I don't know, have some discipline, isn't it, in a way? It, it's hard it's, to suddenly go cold turkey and, yeah. and just get straight into like, oh, yeah, uh, apples and fruit. That's It's hard. It's, uh, yeah, I've never sort of been a smoker or anything like that and had patches and stuff like that. But you can see why they, they class that as an addiction. I can I can get a sense of what an addiction is in the world of chocolate, if that mm. makes sense, when yeah. that happens. Well, I, I and I certainly think sugar can be can be addictive i think the way to do it i think that is to make sure that you are in between then eating proper meals Mm. and make sure that you're getting your nutrition in and make sure that you're getting balanced meals and make sure that you're eating well everywhere else yeah because i think feeling satisfied with those things and i mean that for breakfast lunch and dinner because i think people neglect breakfast as a meal but making sure that you get your three meals in and that you are satisfied and that you're getting plenty of protein and plenty of your leafy greens and stuff i think that that does help because you then feel like you are full but yeah it's a pain in the bum when you have to stop eating sugar after having gorged on it for for months especially the first few days one other thing i found that's helped this week is just literally having a glass of water i know it's quite cliche of that of just like whenever you're feeling hungry but that's really helped me sustain a little bit of hunger i mean i last night played my first bit of sport since christmas i played football and i was okay. like brilliant played football for an hour uh, my friend had his Fitbit on. He did a thousand calories, so I would have done probably about the same. We went to the yeah. pub afterwards. And I actually ordered a pint of water, only because their card machine was broke. I was only going to have an orange squash. <laughs> I was like, "This is brilliant pint of water. Yeah. Lots of calories burnt." I got home and I nailed a large chocolate brownie. Absolutely, as I just sat there, like almost crying in my chair. And we've got some tempered chocolate, like chocolate chips, in the cupboard downstairs. That mm. so we've always got this high quality stuff just sat around. It's like a two kilo bag of chocolate chips. And like even this morning, I just I was in between. A video in between a scene i just nipped in the cupboard and just needed a, a hit <laughs> like chocolate chips is weird so what what i've started doing is i've started um my strategy for that is i've replaced it with certain things so nuts for example mm. is one of, like cashews and walnuts uh, i've got a supply of those in the fridge okay and if i've got that craving i try not to eat in the evenings at all because that was always the the problem was i would be quite good throughout the day and then the evening's just a free-for-all and before you know it you've had you've had your two glasses of wine and you've had a you know a bar of a bar of chocolate and your and your crisps and your dips and everything else and oh, then it's God. all gone to all gone to hell so my my strategy there is to try and after dinner just not to eat anything not Mm -hmm. to eat anything until breakfast the next morning uh but yeah it's hard and having those things to snack on like you said especially after exercise as well because you do sometimes need something for um 
for recovery. Yeah, I um, thought my body was telling me, yeah, you're okay, just have a little bite. And I was like, this, this, you know, it's four, four inch by four inch square. That's literally a slab or a wall tile. I was like, yeah, this is going. <laughs> my, I, the thing that is recommended is that you know a piece of fruit and what I normally do. So my post gym snack would be a piece of fruit and um, like some form of meat normally yeah. like yeah. a bit of ham or something and then yeah. it's that idea of you're getting those kind of fast release fruit sugars and then some you know some protein and some fat in there and that normally will then tide me over so i think yeah it's just about coming up with your strategies isn't it they say that's quite healthy isn't it to go if you've got a hunger craving if you've got some sandwich meat you know literally some chicken or ham in the fridge peck on that because it's you know the, it's actually quite good for you rather than obviously nailing a chocolate bar or something like that it's quite a it's one of those um i can't remember what it, was, it might have been a weight watchers points thing of one of their things of going like, like this is one of your this isn't a sin you can go to the fridge and just grab yeah. one of these have you ever done any diets or anything like that any sort of fat? no so other than the you know so i do you know i avoid gluten and i avoid dairy and because i do that i have although not over christmas i do sort of I don't strictly do the paleo thing at all, but because I'm avoiding those foods by proxy, I end up doing a sort of lazy man's paleo. Okay. I still eat some of the, you know, I still eat plenty of the stuff that you're not supposed to eat on paleo, like nuts and, uh, not nuts, sorry, like pulses and legumes and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, I don't avoid any of that, but I do, I try and avoid the gluten-free substitute stuff as much as possible. Yeah, and try not to go too crazy on the carbs because I know that that's a that's a dangerous road for me. Oh god, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And try and avoid sugar as much as possible. But at the end of the day, I think you've also got to be pragmatic because you know if you go out for you know somebody's somebody's birthday or whatever, and there is birthday cake, it's a bit rude to then not eat it. Especially in my case, if somebody's gone to the trouble of making something that is gluten-free and dairy-free, oh, I'm not God. then going to turn around and go, well, actually, because this, I'm not going to eat it. So I yeah. think it's... But it's about... It's the 80-20 principle, isn't it? In, yeah, definitely. You know, 80, if you're doing... If you're doing well 80% of the time, you've got a bit of leeway 20% of the time. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of people asking me about the keto diet, you know, and yeah. I, you know, I've, I'm not an expert on that, but I know it's like a low carb thing when you push for higher fats, like the Atkins diet. Is it a little bit? In that it's regard? it's um it's different from the Atkins diet for a couple of reasons, but I can't remember specifically what they are. Yeah. Um, but I know some friends that have had some great results on it. Um, you know, just on Facebook that have messaged me and stuff and saying, "Oh, can you do some keto recipes?" And I'm like, I don't feel like I can do too many uh, because. I've got such a varied audience. A lot of people just want to see the the naughty stuff, and you know, it's about getting that balance, really. But um, well, yeah, it's, keto's, it's, keto is not a million miles away from from paleo. Keto does a lot of the intermittent fasting stuff. That's yeah, part of that. Uh, so the idea that you you eat within an eight hour window and then for sixteen hours you don't eat, which is oh, is that part of it better. as well? Yeah, um, ah. which is meant to be better from a you know the way that you absorb nutrients and stuff yeah because that seems yeah. to be the real big buzz thing i'm getting this year is, is keto recipes or tips and advice or actual severe fasting tips and strategies of mm. like what to eat when it's their time to eat and also how to divert that and i'm like Look, i've got no expertise on this because there's somewhere it's like a five and two where you literally i think on the two days you have like bare minimum calories of maybe even 500 in a day but then on the other five you can kind of eat what you want uh, there's, there's a few different 
there are a couple of people who have done like gym people who have done videos about this on YouTube yeah. where they're talking about it and their experience. Um, yeah, and like you said, I know people do get results with with keto. Um, but I think I think for a lot of people, it's just such an adjustment because it's fundamentally changing the way you think about food. Yes. Because we, as a society, we eat so many carbs and we eat more carbs now than we did like, I don't know, 50 years ago. In the post-war period, our carb intake has increased massively uh, because our the, the dietary advice changed in a way that wasn't necessarily correct. But there were studies done that said, high, you know, saturated fats, bad, carbs, good. Um, and everybody adjusted the way they ate accordingly. And now people are saying, well, maybe this isn't actually the case. And maybe it was sugar we should have been demonizing, not saturated fat. Mm. And maybe this level of carb intake isn't helping anyone. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's difficult to know with all of that stuff as well, because there is quite a bit of uncertainty out there. But I've certainly found that eating less carbs and less sugars has had a transformative impact for me okay. and especially not eating gluten or dairy but that's because it turned out i was intolerant to those things and they made me feel quite unwell so um i think that was a uh yeah that was a big shift for me but that's something that has to be done like let's say with sugars and stuff like you to go cold turkey can be very very hard i don't know you have to try to slowly wean yourself off well i so i did it the first time i did no sugars i did it completely cold turkey and I was a and I was a grumpy git for days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, your mental state of that is yeah. You can it's almost like a sugar like you know that, that phrase sugar high. It's it, you, that's maybe that's what it's sort of based on is that sort of I don't know what it releases in your mind or how it makes you feel good, whether it's a mental thing or whether it's something actually in the physical ingredients or a bit of both. But like there, there it certainly is that that come down of that sort of yeah that that sort of. I don't know, grumpiness of, of suddenly restricting yourself. And, uh, sugar sugar spikes are real, people. That's a, that's yeah. a definite thing. That's yeah. a, that sounds like a good name for a, like a, a band or something. Sugar spikes are real. Yeah. Sugar spikes. Yeah. <laughs> sugar spikes. I bet there is a band called that, probably. But. Probably. There's a band called Everything, I think. Yeah. <laughs> On the subject of food and New Year's resolutions and what we are eating and aren't eating in uh, the next year. So we you put a question out on Facebook. Um, yeah. Before we recorded this episode, asking people what their New Year's foodie resolutions were. Now, yeah. you had, as usual, we've had a, an amazing response to this. Hundreds of people have gotten in touch, which yeah, is great. This... Um, so thanks to everybody who dropped a message. Um, before we jump into that, though, I want to know what your New Year's foodie resolution is. Oh, I, I want to just keep experimenting in the kitchen, to be honest. I think in the last year of my content making, I've really started to have some fun and sort of learn more about the hows and the whys of food and like you know understanding basic processes like one of the things i really enjoyed last year was making my own homemade roast coffee and understanding that process so there's things like that that i really want to start doing more of like i'm going to be doing um the homemade chocolate uh just i think a lot more of the food theory so i obviously for me as a you know, doing basic recipes and cooking I, i'm now at the stage where you know i can open a cupboard and chuck together a meal and experiment a little bit so it's more about sharpening up on my theory a little bit and perhaps experimenting a little bit more more of a sort of a sciencey vibe to why why i'm doing something and how and ultimately to try and get the best out of a recipe so that's i, I had a really fun idea of doing like actually upcycling a pot noodle the other day uh of like, oh, so, okay interesting yeah, so taking a pot noodle that's you know your bog standard sort of high in salt 
they're not too unhealthy calorie wise actually i think about 500 calories i was looking on the side of it but like dismantling it and then trying to make my own from scratch but like dehydrating my own ingredients from scratch so like maybe some shiitake mushrooms and putting them in my dehydrator and stuff like that and some like char grilling some chicken and so it's cooked and then getting some decent ramen noodles in there a, a quality stock cube or my own homemade stock which i did last year as well and trying to make my own you know just playing around with the food a bit more but like actually justifying it and for for good and for, for also for learning so i think that's for me is just to continue learning i've never really made any new year's resolutions other than the one that started my entire youtube channel which is quite yeah. interesting yeah <laughs> as far as as far as new year's resolutions go your one and only new year's resolution was a pretty good one I yeah would say. it's gone so f- well so far definitely how about yourself so my my foodie resolution for the new year um is to uh, try and do more interesting things with fish which is mm. a, a specific one uh but we eat quite a lot of fish um and i find that when it comes to fish recipes i default to one of two things which is that i either do it from frozen in the oven um or i pan fry fillets um and that's it uh, which is fine, but I feel like there's more to be doing there. There are so many great fish recipes out there, different yeah. variations. I'd love to be doing more with whole fish because I know whenever we go to Portugal, that's something we have a lot of whole sea bass, whole sea bream is very popular okay. there, having that grilled, and that's just, you know, it's wonderful eating yeah. that. And I feel like doing more with whole fish. Um, and then that also gives you the, the bones and the head and stuff to make fish stock. So there are kind of loads of options there. Yeah. Um, Have you ever filleted a fish and done all the skills with that? I've never. So I get a bit icky around fish, which is a weird thing because I'm not a squeamish person at all. If you, you know, I can deal with all the other stuff animal parts wise. I've just, I've always had a bit of an aversion to fish since I was a kid. I've never really liked them. I find them weird to look at. Right. Um, so I think part of this is also in working more with fish. I can hopefully get over that a bit. Yeah. Um, I have been taught how to uh, fill a fish. My, um, my uncle is the gilly on the river Tweed in Scotland. So he, you know, he really knows his fish and you wow. know, that's a big, that's big salmon fishing and trout fishing area. Yeah. So he, he has taught Philippa and I how to, how to gut a, a trout and how to fillet a trout. Oh, wow. Um, and he does it so efficiently. It's like yeah. a ninja do it. when It's kind of like a, it. yeah, like a sheep shearer, how they just sort of grab a sheep and then like within 10 seconds, there you go. New haircut, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, so he's he's really impressive, and I yeah, I would like to be I would like to be better at that. So yeah, just more stuff with fish. And on that end, if people listening have suggestions for fish recipes that I should try, then you know, let us know in the comments because yeah, well up for ideas on that one. Yeah, one of my favorite ones is, is just fish tacos, just using fish rather than chicken. We have that the mm. kids the kids love it here. Just we don't make too strong a rub to go into it and it's normally just a white fish like cod or something like that, but sometimes we'll chuck those in the oven or we'll just do it in the pan like that and um you can change the spice with some chili powder and stuff like that if you want to, but yeah, I do think it's underrated like uh, fish and it's not it's not one of the top things particularly in the UK to eat, is it really? I think it's Which is uh, a shame. I yeah. and I think finding finding good fishmongers is becoming increasingly harder in mm. this in this country which i think is a real shame i think more people should eat fish uh because of the health benefits but also just you know because we're an island yeah and yeah we're surrounded yeah, I by find that weird <laughs> that we don't so on the subject of new year's resolutions we've got some new year's resolutions from listeners um yes. that i think uh i think we should share because there are some good ones here um so do you want to kick off we've got a few here that we've selected some of our favorites um yeah 
We should say a lot of people did have the, um, there were a lot of people who wanted to do the, the healthier eating. There were a lot of people who wanted to eat less meat. We had a lot of people doing veganuary and yep. uh, things like that. Uh, a lot of people who were talking about cutting down sugar, which we've gone through uh, rather extensively in this episode already, um, yep. and all of those sort of things. But we did have a couple of standout ones. We were looking for ones that were a bit more of a, from a, trying new recipes perspective so we've yeah. got a few of those i mean i'll yeah. say i would say about 85 percent of the answers were like you say along those lines of new year new me kind of diet healthy but I, do you know what i'd be really interested to ask the exact same question in july yes i think uh, <laughs> do you know what yeah. i mean to see what the difference is just mm. see if someone's like yeah uh learn to cook more fish because it's hot <laughs> i don't know um but yeah there were some good ones and um, i'm just going to suggest we kick off with one here um that uh, i was particularly amused by this yep. is from a n llewellyn and oh nice uh, sounds like an author yes uh yes it does um jr hartley very good uh and their resolution is i always break new year's resolutions so mine is to eat only takeaways bacon and cheese in the hope that i'll break it and wind up eating healthily oh wow Sounds like my life before I met my wife and um, when I lived at home. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not the worst combo, to be fair, but yeah, not not very good for your shelf life. Crikey. Um, I quite like this one from Beth Paxton Powell. Double uh, yes. little hyphen there. 365 days of entirely new dishes. So nothing we've cooked wow. before. And each week having seven meals. But not just that, actually. It's from seven different countries. Crikey. That <laughs> is... Um... That's a that's an impressive challenge that you set yourself there, Beth. Yeah. So that's three hundred and sixty-five different recipes, of which, within those fifty-two weeks, you would not be able to do UK within the, uh, seven days of each other, or in right. England or America. We tend to eat this way as much as possible, but really setting the challenge by not allowing for making a staple or favorite this year. I don't. I mean, Beth. Thank you for being a follower and all that stuff. And uh, you know, I really like your answer, but. I 100% would not be able to do that. that that's a, uh, I mean, kudos to, it sounds like um, if you've already set the precedent for doing that in your day to day. But um, yeah, very impressive. Um, Beth, send us some photos of the results for that because we'd love to know how you're getting on yeah. as you go on. I love the concept. I think it's awesome. I, yeah. I think the concept is great, and I really, I hope that we we get to see some results of that. So yeah, yeah keep in touch, Beth, and let us yeah. know how you get on with that. So I've got one here from Carrie Renee, um, and this is one that I find uh, very relatable. Uh, and she says, "Thanks to my health, I have to go gluten free. Ever made any gluten free breads? I'd love to see that." Ooh. Now, the only gluten-free bread I have ever made is a paleo bread, which uh, is very low in carbohydrate and very high in, in fat, but is very nice, but is perhaps not what you're looking for here. Um, my other recommendation to carry, though, would be um, Phil Vickery has a book called Phil Vickery's Essential Gluten-Free, uh, which I've used before, and his bread section in that book is about as comprehensive as you can get in terms of his recommendations for different combinations of flours and the best ways to make different kinds of breads i think if you are looking for a a book that does good gluten-free bread recipes that is probably the most comprehensive that i've ever come across really 
So just to clarify, the Phil Vickery that uh, I'm talking about here is Phil Vickery, the celebrity chef. This gets a bit confusing in the UK because there is also Phil Vickery, the former rugby player who is now also a chef. Yes. Uh, so uh, there's sometimes some confusion here. But this is the Phil Vickery that you will know from ITV's This Morning. Uh, ah, that yeah. Phil Vickery there. So there we go. So anyway, Phil Vickery gluten-free is the book to look for. Okay. I once made cloud bread. Have you ever had that? Cloud bread? Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically like... It's a bread, and I mean the ingredients are eggs, cream cheese, I think cream of tartar, uh, but it's it's almost more like a pillow really. It's just mm. more of a meringue, and you whisk together the egg and you, you stick the cream cheese through it, um, and, and the, the tartar to help thicken it, and you bake it, and it it does come out borderline like a bread, and okay. and I made it, and it was it was okay to be honest, really healthy, light and fluffy and stuff, and it and they class it as a bread substitute. So and it's a low carb thing. So that, that was all right. Yeah, I did that about eighteen months ago, and it was fairly. I got a lot more requests to do for stuff like that, but I think it, t- it takes about twenty minutes, and it gets starts to go sort of lightly gold on the top, but looks more. I mean, it looks like a cloud. To be fair. Mm. Um, well, we'll, put a, we'll put a link to that video in the description for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then people can check that out if they want to make themselves a cloud bread. Yeah. I think there's one other one from Michael Kent, uh, who actually put a lovely picture here. Not so much of a resolution as a continuation to play in the kitchen and grow my love for it. I think that's quite an interesting phrase, isn't it? Play in the kitchen. like Because the kitchen is a playground, I think. If you, if you can understand the food basics and just get around stuff like that, how you can just really experiment and there's no there's let you know there's, check out the rule book you know uh yesterday i made salmon and prawn burgers patties from scratch as well and enjoyed it from count, counter to stomach okay so the uh, yeah i'm just looking at the picture now and these do look uh very delicious i think yeah. michael kent also takes a good photo which is he helping did. in his in his but yeah that those look uh properly yummy i think I almost think symmet- done a good job there yeah almost symmetrical isn't it You've got two side by side there a little bit. It looks like some sort of like, I don't know, is that cucumber thinly sliced? It looks nice. It's, yeah. Um, Prawns, lemon. Oh, I do like a big pickled uh, cucumber. I used to hate cucumber, but like really like julienne or something like that, really thin and in a teeny bit of vinegar, like rice wine vinegar or something like that, just as a snack to peck on. I love it. So I think those were those were some of our New Year's resolution, foodie resolution highlights. Um, obviously, as you go along with your New Year's resolutions, let us know how you're getting along with them. Keep us posted on what you guys are doing in the kitchen this year. Uh, send us your photos, send us your videos, whatever, uh, via the usual, uh, the usual social channels. And speaking of those usual social channels, Mr. Lewis, how can people get in touch with you to share their foodie stories and all the rest of it? Oh, the best bet is at Mr. Barry Lewis on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, even the YouTube channel is now called that. Uh, I think our podcast is the Stonkin Foodcast. If you search that, it should yes. pop up. If you could leave a comment on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to, because we're trying to get this pretty much everywhere now. We had yeah. some little uh, TV issues at the first, people trying to find it. But we think, hopefully, we're on nearly every podcast provider you can think of. But if there isn't one, do let us know. Uh, but yeah, that'd be awesome. I really want to know how Beth gets on with that resolution, actually. I might have to... Uh, pin, pin mark this to actually follow up in a, even just a couple of months and see what she's done yeah i'd love to see what's going on there um if you if you've got more longer form comments and questions and queries then email um stockingfoodcast at gmail.com is your place to go there um that's s-t-o-n-k-i-n-f-o-o-d-c-a-s-t just like it's spelled in the show description yeah no g keeping it cool yeah <laughs> down with the kids 
Absolutely. Yes, we are. We are. We are down with that. That kids and their rock and roll and their uh, juke joints and all the rest of it. Yeah. What's the favourite thing you've eaten in a, over Christmas? Oh, before we crikey. go. Favourite thing I ate over Christmas. So so many choices there. Because um, mine was that Yule log, that custom thing there. It was just phenomenal. I'm going to go gravy. Christmas gravy knocked out of the park this year. Really? Yeah. Could have quite happily drank a mug of that, which is a thing <laughs> I have done in the past. Didn't do it this year because I'm an adult and society says that's not acceptable. Wow. But if there was nobody around, I would have had a mug of Christmas that's gravy. That's awesome. Proper lush. You once drank a mug of gravy? I, I several times drank a mug of, mug of gravy as a teenager. Uh, if there was leftover gravy, I Imagine used that. to pour it into a mug. And drink it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Imagine that yeah. if that was a thing. You go around someone's house. Do you want a cup of tea or coffee or mug of gravy? gravy. Oh, gravy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you have, you have a mug of bovril. It's yeah. not a million miles No, away. it's not. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, effectively kind of like having a, a hot soup, isn't it? Really, yeah, I suppose. It's, it's yeah. fancy, man's, fancy man's bovril. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt now. Fancy man. Well, fancy man's bomb, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, cheers, Alec. And uh, I guess we'll uh, see everyone on the pod or you'll hear you us very, very soon. See you next time then, is it?